Stay tuned for The Lynn Show. Today, I'm airing an interview I did with master double bass player John Lamb. As you will hear me say at the beginning of this interview, I interviewed John once before for an hour, and somehow it didn't record. So this is our second interview. And I'm re-airing it now in recognition of John's 85th birthday, which will be celebrated at the Palladium on January 6th at 3 in the afternoon. And there will be an all-star cast helping John celebrate his birthday. You can find out more information about that event at the Palladium website. In this interview, we talked about himself as a musician, about his musicianship. I say at the beginning of the interview that lots of people may never have heard him play and may never hear him play. And so he talks about the way he constructs his bass solos, and it is fascinating, interesting, unique. He goes on to talk about himself as a musician, about how he listens, how he determines what to play based on what the other musicians and or singers are playing and or singing with him. He also talks about himself as an educator. This is a very thoughtful and in some ways provocative interview, but always, always interesting. So hang on. Here come the show. Hearing from an inner voice, finding choice where there's no choice, with gentle prodding from the voice. Oh, you really can. Oh 
welcome to The Lynn Show. The Lynn Show is about being the person you really are. Not the person you think you have to be. Not the person other people are. Not the person somebody told you you needed to be or sometimes told you you were. Not even the person you may currently think you are, but the person you really are. Unfortunately, too many people have experiences in their childhoods which discourage them from being all that they are capable of being. In my shows, I interview people who make their living or their life with an art, because when you listen to them, you can hear what it sounds like to be the person you really are. And in today's interview with John Lamb, you are in no doubt that you are listening to a person who knows who he is, has always known who he is, and spends his life in the way that is perfect for him. I'm going to play a couple of cuts from various albums that John played on. This first is a piece of a track that he did with the Nate Najjar Quartet, and we're going to go out on his bass part in a recording that he did with the Duke Ellington Band. But here now is a little bit of music, and then to talk about his relationship to his music and his life is John Lamb.
So I'm here with John Lamb again. 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 John and I did this once before. We talked for over an hour. Yes. He told me everything there is to know about John Lamb, and I hadn't recorded it. <laughs> I'm not certain that I would remember everything that we talked about. No, I remember a lot of it, but it's yeah. okay. I'm not going to ask you to do that again because, yeah. <laughs> because it seems unfair. But you had just started to say, this is how you play your solos. Mm. You remember? Yes. A bass solo is uh, a composition within a composition. Mm -hmm. That's why I form. I have a beginning. I make uh, like A form, you know, A, B. Now, section A, I'll say something. Section B, I'll do something different. You're making a composition. Yes. And that, that's, wow. that's what's good. We, they, they call it building a solo. Who but calls when, it? Oh, a lot of people in the music world. They call okay. it building a solo. And the, so we build on, on sections like art, mm -hmm. like uh, poetry. Yes. That's what it is. I want some of your music so I can play that for these people, especially if you have an example of what you're talking about. You know, um, a solo that you have on CD somewhere that I can Well, I'll get the one with the, the Far East Three of Duke Ellington. Oh, lovely. Okay, it's called Ad-Lib on Nippon. Ad-Lib on Nippon? Yes. As in Japan? Yeah. Really? Yeah. And that'll give you some of, you'll find the composition within the composition. Yeah, I, I'm sitting here thinking it's really too bad. Most of the people who are going to listen to this interview, who are listening to this interview, will not have had an opportunity to hear you play. They won't have an opportunity to hear you um, do these solos live, spontaneously, as I have. And they're just amazing. You can, you can feel it in the room when you start to play. No matter what's been going on before, that everybody is riveted. And it must be because not only you're so skilled, but because you're doing this thing. You're building something. Exactly. Yeah. It's something that everyone can relate to. Yes. yes. It's simple. Well. Oh, well, I've gone through every method book in this conservatory. But I can never use all of that. I only need the most important notes. <laughs> Ports, notes that people can hear yes. and feel. And we use our, our melody and rhythm and harmony and our compositional forms. Excuse me. And you put all those skills together and simplify it, and it comes out as a well-rounded composition. Yeah, well, I, 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 probably you know this, but you're also funny when you play. I am. You are. How? You... It, 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 I'm not sure. The noise you hear in the background is my dog chewing her bone. Um, it, well, you know, I'm trying to think. I don't know. I thought it was what you choose to play. Sometimes you'll uh, reference other songs, and that'll be, that'll be interesting. But it's just, it's whimsical. You're whimsical when you play. Did you not think so? I don't know. The music is coming through me the way yes. I feel about it. Right, you know. right. Have you not noticed that people smile and oh, giggle yes. and laugh when you play? Yes. They do. Yeah. You know, uh, I'm not trying to revolutionize the bass. <laughs> it will happen. Or I'm not trying to revolutionize music. I only play 
music that's based on my own experiences. I'm not trying to emulate or imitate uh, something that I heard on a record. No, that's really clear, because yeah. nothing I have heard you play have I ever heard anywhere before. Yeah. And uh, in the beginning, I had to imitate in order to learn. But as the years have gone by, uh, I play whatever comes, comes out. up here. Right, right. That's right. Now, that's an interesting thing. Does it go through your head, or is it just in your fingers? You know what I mean? Well, uh, some of it is uh, emotional. Some of it is thought of. Uh, it's a combination. Mm-hmm. And some of it, of course, is having motorized the fingers. The fingers, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But it's a combination of all those things. And, and it's a combination of um, the environment that I've been exposed to. It's yeah. all those things. And so, the different musicians and so on. So when, when you start to do a solo, do you have some idea of what you're going to do? Well, I think, uh, I think I have about 12 or 13 notes to choose from. Right? I know all the notes. I know. <laughs> yes, you do. Yeah. And and you know, it's just a matter. Of, it's just just a matter of uh, putting these combinations together so that they will make sense. You see, I understand that the ear is built a certain way, harmonically speaking. I don't understand. When we go to a doctor's office, right? They play. When we have a hearing test, they play certain tones. Right. Us, and we raise our hands. These tones are harmonics, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, you take any string, guitar string, bass string, it's based upon harmonics. Right. All of music is based upon harmonics, and you can find every note and scale in each one of those strings, you know, in just open positions. They're all there. Now, all I'm saying is this, I choose whatever note that that I feel, you know, based on my studies that I would like to do and things that I hear coming out of someone else. What else is playing, right, 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 right. right. Uh, that's what I meant earlier about not being together with that. Yeah, that no, no, I understand, yeah. right. Yeah, because sometimes um, other things get in the way of what I'm feeling or hearing. Right. And so, and in accompanying, I'm, I'm skipping around a little bit. This is fine. In accompanying, um, people that are accompanying have to be very sensitive as to what the person that's out front trying to do, because a bass player does that all of the time. Um, I have to be sensitive enough to accompany and not get in the way of what the performer is doing. Yes. And when it's the reverse, a lot of them have not had the experience. Or they so don't. They, or they just don't understand that. And they fall all over. All over you. They <laughs> step all over you. That's right. So you know. It's like a dance. That's what it is. And, you know, it's a matter of respect um, for someone else's skill and their abilities and whatever they're trying to say. If they want to say it on this level or high level or low level, it doesn't matter no. to me. I'm still going to play the same notes. Yeah. <laughs> same 12, uh, thir- 12, aren't they? 12 notes? I haven't counted them lately, but they're 12 <laughs> or 13. But I'm I don't think they've the changed, notes. actually. No, I'm going to play the same notes. Of course, um, <clears throat> If they play a, uh, a little bit out of tune, then I have to go a little bit higher or a little bit lower in order to blend with whatever they're doing. Are you really? Yeah. Uh, I've, I've been in situations in the band where the trumpet section would play with a certain string.
structure or harmonic uh, feeling or a sound or whatever it is. And uh, I have to play with them one way. And then when the saxophones came in, I had to play a different way with them. And when they finished, when the trio section <laughs> played, I had to play a different way. Sure. Now, did you learn that or is this intuitive? Well, over the years I learned it. No, no, I mean when you taught it. Or did you just no, figure I it out? Ta- I wasn't taught that. Because I learned over the years. So you learned it from playing? From playing, yeah. And from having an extraordinary ear oh. and a mm-hmm. lot of sensitivity. Do you have a favorite kind of music that you like to play? I love music. I can sit and listen to anybody, but not any everybody too long. It doesn't matter if it's jazz, I can't take too much of it at one time. If it's classical, I can't take too much of it at one time. Country music, I can't take too much of it at one time, or any kind. But I can listen to anybody's music for a short period of time. We're dealing with notes, and we're dealing with vibrations of air. Mm. And everybody expresses themselves in their own manner. Mm. Doesn't make one more right than the other. It's just, it's still the same things, you know, the same vibrate. And so I have an appreciation because having taught kids, they come in from different cultures and they bring their own ideas. I used to have the kids bring in their music once a week to show us what they like. So what did they bring in? Whatever they had in their drawer at home, whatever they like. And I had all kinds of things come in. You see, we're there to teach everyone, not just a few people. So how did you arrive at that? Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a teacher of humanity. <laughs> not just, just a few people, you know. I Wait think a that's a personal thing. I think that's a part of the person. Well, where I had to learn it somewhere. Well, what about somewhere. your family? Did you think of them as kind of um, inclusive, or did you think of them as ex- exclusive and judgmental? My kid, my, my family was never judgmental. They were very supportive. They didn't know exactly what I was doing all the time. <laughs> but they, they were very supportive, and, and I was encouraged. Yeah, that's where it comes from. But, but I think every, every, I've been very fortunate in the respect that I've uh, been able to appreciate everyone's music. And I think that's the role of a teacher. Well, yes, I clearly that that is... A, a necessity for any kind of good teaching is the ability to incorporate everybody and accept everybody and let everybody be their best. Still, you know, a lot of musicians are snobs. Yeah. Especially musicians um, with your level of skill and... Especially those that think that they have the inside track. Exactly. Exactly. That's why certain types of music have gone down in popularity because a lot of them have forgotten about the people. And some people, when they figure they have learned so much or they have gained so much knowledge, everyone else is sort of like... Beneath them. Yeah. And then it's the other way around, too. A lot of people that come in, the, the places and the clubs, they're not good listeners either. No. So it works both ways. Yes. You see, we need at least three elements when performing music. We need to have a, someone, a performer. Mm-hmm. We need a composer. Mm-hmm. A composer can be somebody walking down the streets whistling something that they don't know anything about. Yes. 
got to have a composer. You got to have somebody to capture that melody. You need someone else to perform it, and you need listeners. Yes. Yes. Got to have listeners. So all of these have to come together in order for it to be really, really successful. I once heard a, a great man say this. Why is it, it's a jazz musician too, why is it that the Europeans seem to appreciate your music more than the Americans? The reply was, they have older ears. <laughs> There's a story about this American landscape artist who wanted to learn to create the perfect lawn. So he went to study with the English landscape people because they've got these incredible lawns. So he said to this English landscape guy, how did you make this amazing lawn? And the guy said, well, you know, you put the seed down and then you water it and you do it for a hundred years. <laughs> There is something to be said yes. for the depth of experience. Definitely. Okay, so nobody in your family played. Is that correct? My daddy didn't play an instrument. My sister did not play an instrument. One sister played a little piano, yes. I had a brother that played nothing but sports. That's it. So where did you come from, John Lamb? I don't know where I came from. You know, my mother asked that one time. Did she? Yeah, where did you come from? I said, look, look I came from you. And she said? <laughs> no, she, she, um, she used to sing a lot in, in church, and they all sang, and they all went to church. And, so they loved music? And of course. Everybody loved music. Music was our saving grace. That's the only thing we had going for us. Yes. Since the early 15 or 1600s, you know. And so it's just a part of the culture. And you went to church and you sang and you got rid of all those weekly right. frustrations right. and all and that kind of stuff. And anybody who sings knows that when you're singing, everything is fine. When a person says, use the syllable om, that's singing. And so singing, as you know, does a lot of things that the so-called om does. Except there's only one pitch. All right. pitches are encompassed into one, and it's supposed to go through the roof of the head and all that stuff yeah. and fill all the cavities, and yeah. you know what I mean? I do. There's nothing wrong when you're singing. You know, I had a couple of uh, semesters of voice. I have. One was from a student in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. She had to grab somebody and teach them of this part of her, her teaching experience. So, so she, she grabbed you. me. <laughs> So I sang for her, and then later on, uh, for recertification in the school system, I took boys for a couple of semesters. Mm -hmm. And the singing, what it does, it just causes vibrations throughout the entire head, mm -hmm. and, and the tears just come down. And she was talking about all of this in here. She says, that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> So it's a wonderful experience. Uh, the singing experience is wonderful. So is it is it similar when you're playing? Because it sure looks like you're completely connected to the thing. Oh, definitely. There is a connection. There is an esoteric saying, not commonly used, that we 
our physical beings are used as vehicles to say or express something that is greater than ourselves. One of them being vibrations of air, and we call it our sound. Organized sound. Some of it's noise because it has been distorted. Okay. Because the vibrations are irregular and those vibrations that are regular comes out as a song or sound. Is it a kind of a universal thing that we're expressing? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you, you said it right there. You've heard the expression that music is universal. Yes, that's what right. it is. Right. And so it's a, it's a kind of a joining thing. It joins people, yeah. right? We played all over the world and people have come together as a result of that. They loved it. They didn't know what we were playing, but... Yes, but they, they felt it. Yeah. It enters the person at a place below the conscious mind, at some place deeper. Mm-hmm. Everything in the universe vibrates, even a stone. When we talk... We're vibrating. When we move... Right. Everything vibrates at a different rate of speed. And that's what gives each little entity its own characteristic because of the speed and the rate at which they are vibrating. So that is something that joins us. Maybe a lot of humanity hasn't evolved to that level yet. They're using distorted vibrations of air trying to communicate with each other. What, what do you think bombs are? That's distortion. Vibrations. Distorted. They make noise. Why they do. But if those sounds were more organized, I think people would come together. And it's, it's based on love. I'm not talking about physical love. It's a love that transcends... Dis- division. That's right. Yes. So, as a musician, you are joining people. That's what you're doing. People come life. there to feel good. And I see the smiles on their faces. That's called returning. We're giving to them and they're giving, giving back. back. And everybody is on the same level. It takes a great deal of understanding, though to know that people are on different levels. They're also on different levels of musicianship. That's why we're sort of tolerant, tolerant of others. Right. Not on our levels. And others are tolerant toward me if I don't do what they want or either that or get somebody else, you know. Right. But it's, it's, that's what it is. You have so many different levels of things here. And they are endless. Yes. They say the world... The earth came about as a result of a big bang. Mm -hmm. Something was vibrating out there in the universe to cause it to crash or explode. They are vibrations. There are only three things in existence. Light, color, and sound. Sound, vibrations of air. Light is a vibration. Color has certain vibrations. Did you always have this idea? No. It was acquired over a period of time. So you found music before you found this? I found my music after I found myself. Could you say something about that? The more I learned how to live, the more the music came through. There was a time when I was on stage and I was playing all kinds of fancy notes. (laughs) Fast, you know, young teenagers, you know. And it didn't mean a thing to the listeners. Right. Oh, I'm so happy to hear you say that. And when you say it, I know one of the things that's so wonderful about listening to you is that you don't do that. 
You're not showing off. You're not saying, see how many notes I can play in this short period of time. You are playing something that matters, that, that we can grab onto. And uh, so many people think that that's really virtuosity. You know, a lot of, like, as you said, some people think a lot of notes is virtuosity, but the sound itself is, which is one of the elements of speed. Well, sound, the way it comes across, the way one looks at another person when they're playing certain notes. Hmm, that was meant for you. <laughs> and this is meant for you. <laughs> you see, if you were into the technical bag, you see, I'll do something there for you. Yeah. To show that, well, it's possible. But that's not the whole bag. There are many, many elements. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And it explains a lot about why you play the way you do. Do you remember when you started to develop, the, especially the, the solo style? I was told that... Uh, <laughs> this may sound egotistical. We'll risk it. But I remember uh, a good friend of mine in Philadelphia told me, he says, I used to watch you play. And believe it or not, you, you played with, with an attitude of kindness, not one of ego, one of being above someone else. You came into town and you proved to musicians that you can play and still be kind and good. And, that it's and not loving. a competition. Yeah. And... Uh, he says, I believe that you raise the level. And, you know, I didn't know this until about four years ago. And I was in Philly in the early 60s. He just came out and said this, you know. He says, yes, you did that. Those kind of statements are humbling statements, you know. I mean, things that, that makes me feel... Yes, I do. But yeah. well, are you saying that um, other people could see this in you and you didn't really get it? No, until I didn't get it. And... Uh, they said also that, he says, whenever you played a solo, he says, there were trumpet players and piano players that were envious. I had no idea. No. Others were observing. Right. And, you know, he didn't have to say this to me. And he said it to me several times since then. But you're aware of it now. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I'm beginning to accept it. But, you know, it's... it's <laughs> well, so I'm so glad back. you lived long enough to do that. Yeah. And, like I said, it... It's really humbling when somebody says that to you. Well, but you know, it seems to me that it's the same thing. It's that basic lack of competition, of judgment, of who's being better, or who's doing better. You just don't have that. You know, for you, people are equal, and the work is the work. That's what comes through. Well, a lot of people have to compete for jobs. Yes, that's true, but when you're playing, competition does not contribute to good music. It's, it's knowing that you're in it together. It's real remarkable that you have developed this way of being. That's very fortunate. I agree. I always listened. It, you know, a person could say something to me. I didn't necessarily agree with it. So what I would do is grab it and put it on a shelf someplace. <laughs> yeah. And maybe somewhere down the line it might come back. I'll reach up on the shelf. Oh, so oh, oh yeah. There's a little of this. Right, right. That's what it was. But I again, guess. it's the same thing. It's that you didn't dismiss 
No. Out of hand. No. Pretty much anything. I always figure that people can learn things from anyone. Uh, even the so-called person that is uh, the, the wino or at least I can learn how to drink wine. <laughs> you know, that's something. Mm. I might not want to drink it. Right. You know, but, that's but what I just put it up there. But that's what he has to offer. Yeah. Yeah, and you value it. Yeah. It's the same thing. It's the same thing as you were talking about with the kids in the class. Yeah. Is that, that might not be your music, but you valued the fact that they valued it. I think that's really unusual. I, I don't know. Well, okay, yes. Um, part one. Part one. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to have... Yes, we okay. certainly are. Okay, let me just ask you, is there anything that you would want to say about being a musician, about being an artist, about making a life with music, um, or anything else for that matter? Well, I, I think musicians should uh, be more diversified if they're going to make it as a, in, in the commercial part of it. They should take lessons, not necessarily from the financial world today, mm-hmm. but things that the financial world has taught us over the years. To be careful about money. Is that what you mean? If they're going to survive. If yeah. they're going to survive, yeah. Since we're in that kind of society. Musicians need to learn to take care of themselves. So, so many of the musicians that I have talked to have said the same thing. A variation on this theme. You know, don't expect this to take care of you. That's right. Take care of yourself, right? Well, all right, so we're going to stop. And who knows, since this is the second time, maybe there'll be more. Thank you so much, John Lamb. Oh, you're quite welcome. (laughs) It is always my hope that when you listen to someone like John, you are asking yourself, is this how I feel about my life? Am I living the life that I was meant to live? Am I doing the things I was meant to do? Can I talk with so much passion about the way I spend my days, my weeks, my months, my life? Well, of course, I hope that you are and that you do. But if you aren't and you don't, then The Lynn Show is about saying it may not be too late to recover what you may have had to leave behind. As always, I hope you got something you can use from this show. Something that you learned that you didn't know, something that tickled you, amused you, or maybe it was just enjoying listening to John talk and John play. And perhaps you're going to come down to the Palladium on January 6th and see the real thing. As I said in the opening, we're going to go out on a cut from a recording that John did with the Duke Ellington Band, and here it is now, Ad Lib on Nippon.
I'm getting older My hair is turning gray Always in my face And figure I've both seen better days Well, I won't be retiring I won't slip out of sight No, I will not go gentle Into that good night Like some goddamn boomerang No, I won't go with a whimper I am going with a bang You see that I have had my shot My time has come and gone Oh, won't I please get off the stage Let someone else get on Well, I, I won't be relegated Or leave without a fight No, I will not go gentle Into that good night Got some tang, so you won't hear me simper. I may have gotten limper, but I won't go with the whimper. I'm going with a bang. <laughs> 